All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. Over there is... James Davis. Buddy, it's a holiday week. Thanksgiving, we're a day away from Thanksgiving, the, easily the best holiday of the year um, in the States. I don't know. I'm, like, other countries, I'm sure, celebrate holidays that they're into. Um, I, I can't speak to that. I'm not culturally diverse like that. But uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving to you, quick thought. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of Thanksgiving just oh. in general, um, as like the it's like number one on my list for a lot of reasons. I can get into them before we talk about this Thanksgiving slate. But where do you stand ultimately on Thanksgiving as like the, in the holiday rankings? I'm, 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 I'm going to oh, do the big holiday power rankings. Hmm. Yeah, the holiday power rankings. I'm, I'm going to go like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, Fourth of July. The Easter. Mo- I'm just throwing them out there. I'm just off the top of my head. Valentine's First Day. Of all, Easter is like the uh, the cranberry sauce of holidays to me. It's just like out there. It's just going to sit there. I never think to actually even twice about Easter, so I'm not going to even put that one on the list. Um, so here's my, my general take about holidays, is that holidays are a whole are just a total mindset game to me. And sometimes, I really enjoy them because, you know, it's people acting in ways they don't usually, people getting together, making nice meals. But every single time, I just ask myself, why don't we just do this three times a year when it comes to Thanksgiving. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Especially, Fourth of July gets me this way too, where it's like, it's going to be beautiful out for the next four months here in New Hampshire. Let's just do this every weekend. Just everyone come over. We'll light off some fireworks, barbecue, you know, just have the time of our lives. Like, why do we need one special day? Like, I know that half these other days during the summer, you're just going to be rewatching Game of Thrones again. Just come over and let's right. just have fun. So that's, that. so holidays are a mixed blessing to me. I really love them. And it annoys me because I'm like, I just wish we could get in the mindset of like, you know, let's just suck it up and I'll pitch in and make a really cool meal together more than once a year. So I do like Thanksgiving. That wasn't your question. Where, where does it rank on the power rankings? Um, I think Thanksgiving is strong because it's not, there's no expectation to it, which I like. Like I think Christmas, super fun when you're a kid. When you're a grown up, it's less fun because there's so much, uh, I think there's more pressure in yeah. trying to like make it special and stuff like that. Um, I really love Halloween too, just as an altar to capitalism. I love that we can just buy all this terrible food, decorations, costumes, give it away for free. I was gonna literally throw it out. Literally throw it out. Literally throw it out the next day. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Because we're so rich in America that we could just get away with that. So I, I do like that. Um, yeah, I'm a holidays guy. I enjoy holidays in general. Holiday so. James, I call me. Yeah, Thanksgiving for me is the best. Like I, the no expectation piece of it is great. The food, the football. Um, I feel like the schedule is very set out. Like I know exactly what's going to happen. There's no surprises here. Like there's just there's going to be games that start at noon. Food's coming out at three. Um, you know, second game before thirty. Get home before the eight o'clock game. Like I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a schedule oriented guy when it comes to stuff like that. And I like to know what I'm getting. And yeah, Thanksgiving is the best. Let's get into this Thanksgiving Day slate for FanDuel and DraftKings, which has added a new element to the holiday. It was already a good holiday, I think. I do like the fact that we get to think about rostering guys from some of the worst teams in a way <laughs> that um in a way that you aren't going to think about them often because it's an interesting challenge to you well just it's just always chicago and detroit or whatever like there was always detroit they stink every single year basically um this year maybe they would have been okay now they're back of quarterback we'll talk about him and then you get buffalo and dallas okay not terrible but probably not not the high-flying kc you know baltimore kind of thing that you might want to get on a holiday mm. and then you get actually you do get new orleans and atlanta as the night game uh, so I guess there's something that we can sink our teeth into there. But do you want to go game by game here? Do you want to go um, by position in terms of um, like maybe cash games for this Thanksgiving podcast? I, like think, you- I think we roll game by game because I think there's – otherwise we'll just wind up repeating the same points about, 
you know, the different plays in various spots. Fair enough. Um, so, okay, so Chicago yeah, and Detroit. Chicago goes into Detroit, the three and a half point road favorites here. The game starts at 1230. The injury news here is I think Jeff Driscoll right now is is questionable. Um, mm-hmm. He's an interesting, he's an interesting DFS play in that he's like not all that good of a quarterback, but he runs a ton. And you know, if you've listened to this podcast or read any of our articles over the last, um, every single one we've ever written about football, is that if you run as a quarterback, you are going to be on mine and James's, uh, you know, uh, nice our list. nice list. Yeah, the nice list. Oh, did if, you if, say the same thing? That's yeah, embarrassing. I, it is an embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. It's, a holiday, it it's a holiday theme. But um, <laughs> yo, so where do we stand with? Because we have Trubisky um, has done that in the past. We have Driscoll has looked competent from a DFS perspective. Um, not, not you know, he's not your franchise quarterback or anything like that, but. Where do you stand on these two quarterbacks? And then we'll talk about a few of the other plays in this game. So I'm not going to play Trubisky. Like, the first things first, I don't think there's – this man is just broken down. He could, like, lose his job on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Uh, I just don't think there's any scenario where I want to play Mitch Trubisky. I could consider Driscoll. I mean, like you said, he runs, um, and it's certainly more in, like, the running for my life variety yeah. rather than, like, the, hey, this is a good idea. Let's give this guy the ball to run and try to score for us variety. But – that, you know, it, it all counts the same in the end, right? And so, um, yeah, so Driscoll right now, let's see, yeah, 7,000 on FanDuel too. So that's awfully darn cheap. He's averaging around 50 yards on the ground in his three starts, around uh, 20 fantasy points a game. That's really good for yeah. a $7,000 price tag. So the only thing that's giving me pause on Driscoll is that so much his value does come on the ground. And right now, as of Wednesday when we're recording this, uh, Patricia says that his hamstring is, quote, pretty sore. And right. I could see a scenario where he gets out there, plays, but doesn't run. And so that's the really the thing you're going to need to watch while, you know, your family's in there getting things ready and putting out the cheese platter. You need to be sweating down the exact news on what Driscoll's health status is because he's not the type of guy. Like if it were Drew Brees and it's like his hamstring's pretty sore and they're like, Drew Brees is active. You just play Drew Brees. You don't worry about it. With someone like Driscoll who's, Counting on a third of his points coming on the ground, you don't want to be in the position of playing him if he's not 100%. So uh, certainly keep an eye on it. But if he does get a, a green light and is, is like, oh, he's actually just fine, looks good in warm-ups, whatever, then you just play him. And I think you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I think I agree. I think that like he doesn't need to be that good of a quarterback to play in cash games if you think he's going to run. Like you said, 50, 60 yards of a, per game. He did. He was he scored 19 FanDuel points against the Bears three weeks ago when he got his first start. Totally competent. Again, from a DFS perspective, I'm not like you're not going to sign this guy on as your franchise altering quarterback. Yeah, probably not. Uh, on the um, Bears side. You know, their favorites here. It's uh, so hard to trust David Montgomery, obviously, in the running game. Taylor Gabriel is questionable. We've seen targets going to Allen Robinson, like double-digit targets again last week, six catches for 131 and a touch. Uh, where does he rank just in terms of, like, the receivers on this slate? Um, the big ones, obviously, we get Julio and Calvin Ridley, uh, and then obviously get um, Gallup and Cooper in the Dallas game. Are we talking about just every other game now? I thought we were talking about this No, I'm game. just – sorry, we're talking about this game. I just, I just wanted you to rank – where, where you put Allen Robinson in that group of wide receivers. I was mostly just comparing – trying to get you to compare him to that upper-tier level of wide receiver. I think he's arguably not even the best play in this game. Um, I think at 7700 you're paying a premium for him. He's averaging 12 fantasy points a game this season on a $7,700 price tag. That just doesn't pass like the initial sniff test for a player. I get that he's coming off his best second best week of the season. He had that two-touchdown game against Oakland earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But if you, you don't have to look very far to see some true, true terrible games. Like one catch for six yards against Philly in November, four catches for 15 yards against the Rams. Like That's not the Allen Robinson uh, that we were used to from the past. 
Certainly he does have some fine games on his resume here, but I don't, at least our optimizer right now, isn't suggesting that you need to to dip your hands into some Allen Robinson. Uh, as you can imagine, on a four-game slate, money is seriously at a premium here. So uh, certainly on FanDuel, I don't think I would consider him. Uh, I actually don't see him as fundamentally different than uh, the Detroit guys. Uh, I think Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. have all the same safety question marks and concerns. And Jones Jr. in particular is getting more target share recently. So uh, I think I don't want to play more than one receiver from this game. I think if I were picking one, though, I'd probably go with Marvin Jones. And the final guy, Bo Scarborough, did touch the ball 18 times last week for the, or excuse me, 19 look, 18 carries, one target um, on a ground game that we've, you know, people have dreamed on before and just never seems to materialize. He was basically effective on this. 18, he was like, good. Yeah, 18 carries for 98 yards. So like a little more than five yards a carry. Where does he go? I mean, is he too expensive right now? He only played on half the snap, so he's not going to be. He's not. There's no pass catching uh, in his resume. Uh, just to keep, you know, only because when you're looking at guys like Kamara and Elliott later. Um, but where does he? You know, is he how close to a cash game play for you is he? Mostly just because we have such a limited player pool. I think he's pretty close. Um, yeah, he doesn't catch balls out of the backfield, but I don't know how much you can really hold that against him at a sixty-one hundred dollar price tag. Like he's pretty cheap. And at least the way things are shaking out right now, our system is suggesting that you're going to want to at least consider some plays in that range. Now, Chicago, obviously, a very good defense, but it's this sort of weird rock and a hard place thing for Detroit where I don't think they really want to put the ball in Driscoll's hands, even if they're down, you know, 40 times a game, right? So if they're not going to do that, they're going to need to take take some measure of safety. Knowing that Scarborough went out there and gobbled up around five yards of carry last week, I can certainly see them trying to establish him early. You know, it's a home game. I certainly don't think they want to let this game get out of hand uh, with Chicago coming in. So at least early on, I I imagine that they're going to try and establish the run. Uh, Again, though, in this game, you do have two running backs on the other side that some people are going to consider as well in Tarek Cohen and David Montgomery. Uh, I'm a little bit off the Montgomery train. I think, you know, if I'm comparing just apples to apples, him and Scarborough, uh, Montgomery has the better matchup, but he's just been terrible. Like, just on his yards per carry last two weeks 27 carries for 53 yeah, yards it's, it's so bad a, oh, that so, is a yikes official yikes uh, <laughs> um but cohen on the other hand he's getting a lot of targets out of there and with how bad montgomery's been cohen has been much more effective on his carries because he can also threaten to catch balls out of the backfield uh so defenses can't just like zone in on him quite as much and you know he's averaging he's had 15 targets in the last two weeks right and no and i will say no taylor so. gabriel would help him there i think like if, if sure. like you know running more slot receive like he's not going to become a slot receiver but in terms of like a root tree he does fit he could slide into some packages that taylor gabriel was on right like so like they're not so dissimilar i think so i think actually you could be pretty aggressive with, with uh you could be pretty aggressive with cohen's targets i think if gabriel wasn't in the game like you know six six seven targets by the way that's very aggressive for a running back so um and i think yeah, and i actually think that's almost his natural expectation anyway like i think six is probably the floor on what I would give him for targets in this game understanding that he hasn't hit that every single week but I just think that seems like the plan right now so um yeah and given just how again how ineffective Montgomery has been I just don't see how the Bears really turn to the other options I mean basically passes to Cohen and to a lesser extent well and maybe not to a lesser extent but passes to Cohen and Robinson are the only sort of net positive plays the Bears are running right now so 
I imagine that that's what they're going to stick with, but who knows? You know, they've also stuck with Trubisky this long in his, whatever, 150 passing yards a week that he has recently. So who knows, buddy? He's it's, Thanksgiving. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. These are the plays we got to consider. All right, before we get to this next game, Vivid Seats, one of our sponsors, the Vivid Seats app. You got to download it if you're going and getting tickets for any sporting event, concerts, whatever. I don't know. Do people buy things for tickets other than sporting or sporting events and concerts? Oh, maybe plays too. Yeah, so there you go. So this is how you know I'm not doing a live, uh, a live reading it right off the thing because I can't even think of all the places you can get tickets because I mostly just focus on sports. Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, just like the podcast network we're on. That's going to give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase, depending on, obviously, the price of the ticket. It's also going to automatically enroll you into the rewards program, so you earn points the more you use the Vivid Seeds app. The app's awesome, too. I'm buying Nets tickets right now. I've mentioned this on our podcast. And you just get to see exactly where you're going to sit. Um, you get to see panoramic views of just the court and everything in front of you, so you just know right when you sit down, you know exactly what you're getting. That's really that they do that for every single event. So Vivid Seats app, you download it, you put in that promo code overtime, you get all the benefits, the rewards, the money back, and you just get to use one of the best seating apps around. So Vivid Seats app, go download it today. All right, Dallas is going to host the Bills. They are six point home, six and a half point home favorites right now against Buffalo, who's been a pretty stingy defense this mm-hmm. season. It's on the Dallas side. We've wanted to so Zeke is a guy that we were super super aggressive with last year really kind of tapered off his touches this season a little bit just because he wasn't as featured in the passing game as much did is coming off a week 21 carries and four targets uh and I think he had like something similar the week before I'm, I was looking only at one week so let me just do the query real quick um yeah so the week before was 16 carries and three targets but he did score a touchdown on one of those targets so 19 touches where do you see him in terms of cash games like is he a lock for cash games just because of the home favorite piece here, even though Buffalo is not typically on a regular week, not a defense we really want to go stack up against. They're fifth against the pass at 26th against the run. Where does Zeke rank in terms of like maybe must haves for cash games here on Thanksgiving? I think you have to play him. And I think most of it comes down to where you can find savings on this slate and just the total lack of running back depth on this slate. So, you know, your quick eyeball test, you heard about the running backs we talked about in the Chicago and Detroit game in Scarborough, Cohen and Montgomery. On the other side of the ball over here, you have Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. I would really rather not play either of those guys as six-and-a-half-point dogs. And then in the New Orleans-Atlanta game, you have Kamara, okay? And then you have whatever Atlanta's going to do from the running back position, right? So there's really a, a serious lack of running back depth. And I think both Zeke and Kamara basically wind up getting there because that's sort of what you have to do. Because all the cheap plays already have enough question marks, and you really can't find yourself in a position unless there's some late-breaking injury news that we haven't accounted for yet, where you're running multiples of these guys. So um, right now, I just can't imagine a scenario where Zeke is not in our cash game lineup. Yeah, and I think the pricing, specifically on FanDuel, is pretty soft, especially on quarterback. Like, if you go that that Jeff Driscoll route at 7,000, and this is actually the case for him also, is that if you get, like, some a little higher floor because of the legs and the fact that you're not paying up, it's actually pretty easy to fit Kamara Zeke and then, like, three pretty good wide receivers. Maybe you make a concession at the flex position. Um, but overall, I think going Zeke and Kamara here is pretty much what you have to do. Now, in terms of the Dallas wide receivers and then Dax, see, Dak's the other one because Dak has been so good this season from a fantasy perspective. And I'm wondering that, like, at what point, at 8,200, at what point it is just worth paying up for his sort of, I guess I'll use the word safer, safer production, more predictable production, because he's been among the best quarterbacks this season in terms of a fantasy points per game. And I just don't know on this specific slate if that, you know, I'm speaking right now just about FanDuel pricing, the 1200 extra that you have to pay 
He's a total joke of a price, by the way, on, on DraftKings. Uh, 5,700. Like he's mm. he's 1,100 cheaper than Breeze and 700 yeah. cheaper than Matt Ryan. Okay, that was, that's easy. Just play Dak on DraftKings. Like I think that that pretty much answers itself. He's cheaper mm. than Josh Allen, right? Like I, 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 I Josh Allen's like had a lot, a lot of fantasy success, but Dak is the yeah, Dak's the fourth most expensive quarterback. So just play that. Yeah, Dak has also outscored Josh Allen by ten percent this year. That's I think DraftKings like it's just probably like, just over adjusting based on Buffalo's defensive. Total mistake. So anyway, play Dak on play Dak on DraftKings. That's an easy decision. On FanDuel though, where do you see the difference in the twelve hundred? You know, as compared to the quarterbacks that we mentioned before, where do you like? Is Dak worth just maybe like hitting lock there and just seeing what the rest of the lineup goes because you kind of know what you're getting? I think that's the direction I'm going to go if Driscoll's hamstring doesn't clear up. Um, I think the Dak a little bit underpriced right now after his by far worst game of the season against the Patriots. And I think I'm not always one for giving players a pass after a terrible game like that, but it is the very best defense and definitely the very best secondary uh, in the league right now and maybe in the last 10 years. Right. So I think one bad game and those t- things tend to snowball as well. I don't know if I can hold that against him completely. I think if you look at what he's done against less than the best defenses, uh, he's been pretty damn good. And I think with Dallas... There's a lot on the line here, not only the home Thanksgiving game, but also uh, this really tight divisional race with the Eagles. So I think Prescott was going to be unleashed for the last several games of the season. Uh, like we've seen when things are really going well for Dallas, they would prefer not to give him the ball on the ground. I think they're trying to preserve his body and his legs. I don't see that as being the case going forward. I think he'll be back in that five to six carry range as well. And I think you know this is a guy who was right there with Deshaun Watson in terms of overall fantasy points per game before last week. And I don't think we want to adjust everything on a one-week sample size. So, yeah, happy to play Dak in cash. Understanding that Buffalo is good, but not all world. And the difference, like, I think this is, like, where a lot of people fall down when they're looking at these defensive things. And I wonder if this is what happened on DraftKings, too, where they're like, the Patriots are the best defense. Okay, he was bad against them. Well, Buffalo's the third best defense or fourth best defense. So we should lower his price there, too. And it's like... It's not a linear thing, right? It's like the Patriots are and the, the Niners are sort of exponentially better than the rest of the teams. So uh, going up against Buffalo is actually just a much better situation than going up against the Patriots, and I'm a lot less scared here. Uh, final thought on this game, I think, from my end, unless you want to add something else, John Brown was coming off of target shares of eight, or targets of 8, 7, 11, 14 in four previous weeks and then went down to four against Denver. You mentioned giving a guy a pass um, because of the matchup. Um, he did draw Chris Harris' uh, shadow coverage in this game, and Chris Harris is basically the best slot cover corner in football. And so um, going in, and he still caught a touchdown, by the way. I think, and by the, I don't think Chris Harris had allowed more than like 50 yards receiving to anyone he had shadow coverage Jeez. this season. Uh, and so Brown just gets to 40 and a touchdown. I, I'm almost kind of impressed by it, just because, just considering who's throwing him the ball and John Brown. I did not adjust his targets down. I think he's still like maybe a true nine and a half to ten target a game guy from Allen. Do you think that's fair? And if that's the case, is he just a cash game play? Yeah, I think he's certainly in that small group. Um, it's actually pretty close between him and Gallup for me. The other major thing about that game to remember, the Denver game, is that Buffalo found themselves in the unusual position of being leading by double-digit points, right? So their running backs between Singletary and Gore touched the ball 38 times yes. in that game. If they're six-and-a-half-point dogs here, Buffalo is simply not going to have the luxury of doing that. And again, yeah, Dallas's secondary is, is going to offer nothing like Harris to shadow Brown. So I think Brown is, is an excellent play here. Another guy that people will be sleeping on after a tough week and a terrible matchup for him. So certainly should be on the radar. And I mean, in an ideal world, I think I'd play both. You know, we didn't even address Gallup yet, but uh, he certainly appears to be the heir apparent to the big targets in Dallas. 
Uh, a bad week against New England, just like everyone had, but he was still their most effective receiver against New England, catching four balls for 55 yards. And prior to that, previous two games, he had 23 targets, which he turned into 214 yards and a touch. So I uh, really like Gallup and Brown here. Okay, um, and then let's move into... Oh, by the way, real quick, uh, got another guy, they, they have spread the ball out a little bit. The only reason Gallup... Uh, like Cooper only saw two targets against New England. Again, I'm pretty sure he got Stephen Gilmore the whole game there. Um, but Cobb did get Randall Cobb got seven targets, four catches for 86. He's he's had games. I don't think he's third in the list for me between you know from Gallup, uh, Cooper, and Cobb. But there have been games where the team has taken one of those guys away. Cobb has put together decent games, but it's a little just it's he just he's further down on the root tree, so it's a little harder to trust him from a cash game perspective. Let's finish this off. With New Orleans goes in and plays Atlanta. This game has a 49 over under with New Orleans as six and a half point favorites on the road. Atlanta has been um, <laughs> maddening at times to try to figure out what's going on. They can't run the ball at all. So I think, and Devontae Freeman might play this week. So I, I already, I think we were willing to write off the Atlanta running game no matter what. Uh, and this would just make it even easier to continue to write them off. So I think we can just move past the Atlanta running game. The, in terms of the passing game, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones saw massive cash game ownership to the point where, like, I get I get they were good plays last week, but the fact that they were 80% plus in cash games, was I, I kind of was a little freaked out by it. Like, we ended up fading both of them, and I think it was close enough that I wasn't, like, kicking myself, and I was also very glad that I did not see that ownership till like, late, like after Baker Mayfield had threw, thrown two touchdowns. So I felt, I felt <laughs> I, was, I was feeling much better. It was much better that Baker was already well on the board by the time I actually just kind of, because like, I was just, like, going, moving around and wasn't really looking at what the ownerships was. I was very glad that I saw that after, and, like, Beckham had already caught a touchdown or something like that when I looked. So, um, and I just, like, don't know, one, if people just go back to that cash game ownership sort of this week with these two guys. I don't see it. Like Julio, people are so bullish on him. Again, it's another week. He doesn't lead the team in targets. Uh, Ridley just seemed like Ridley gets 14 targets, six car- six catches. They, Russell Gage actually got 10 targets in this game, uh, in that game against the Saints. Where do you, how do you stand on the Falcons passing game right now? Not a great matchup here against New Orleans, but looks like they're playing from behind and also perfect weather conditions too because it's in the dome where Matt Ryan's been significantly better for his career, um, obviously. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Atlanta passing game? Yeah, so I, first I want to reach up one hand, turn it around, pat yourself pat on the myself back. on the back yeah, buddy. for uh, <laughs> being against Julio especially, because that was the conversation we had going into Locke. Like, we were aware that he was going to be chalk. Maybe we didn't know to what degree. And we were aware that we were going to walk into that game having to answer a bunch of questions to our chatters if it didn't totally work out. And I'll say now what I said then, which is that Julio has had some great matchups this season. He has much fewer good games than he's had great matchups. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, you know, if you played him against Arizona and he scored 15 fantasy points, uh, you were pretty bummed out. Um, and, t- you know, throw up this Tampa Bay game. This is the latest in his long resume now for this season of having high expectations, being relatively highly owned, and generally sucking. And it's just that he's not the huge target guy he was last year. Last year, Julio led the league in targets. This year, he does not. And one year, Extra on the old wheels of Matty Ice there. Uh, you have Julio in a spot where he's good, but just mostly okay. And they have some younger, faster options in Calvin Ridley too. I just don't think you need to prioritize him. That being said, on Thanksgiving, three-game slate, you're going to kiss a few frogs to get there. If Julio winds up in our cash games, I don't think I would kick him out. You know, I wouldn't call you on the phone and be like, dude, we have to X this guy and start over, You know, scrap the whole thing and build from the ground up. But you certainly don't need to prioritize him. Uh, and the Saints, you know, with Lattimore there, there's going to be some question as to 
if Julio is even a good play in an absolute level, much less compared to Ridley, uh, who's $1,300 cheaper. The other major note on Jones right now, too, is that he's been missing practice this week. He banged up his shoulder uh, last week, and while he could come through this, like he often plays, uh, Julio, there is a big difference in my mind between like 100% Julio and banged up Julio, so that's just another mark against him in my mind. Um, that being said, so you asked about the whole Atlanta passing game. Calvin Ridley could be the highest owned player on the slate, right? I mean, he's still, again, they just haven't moved the price on him. Coming off a 14 target week against Tampa Bay, uh, now 228 yards, yeah, 228 yards, two touches in the last two weeks. Uh, certainly seems to be moving into that Cadillac spot in Atlanta and yeah, Jeez, and by the way, if we're going to like, if we're going to pat ourselves on the back again, Ridley is a guy we rostered three weeks in a row in cash. Like, um, this is like where we just another one where we or maybe two weeks in a row. The definitely last week though, like he was the guy we actually did roster um, yeah, in, in, instead of Julio because of the price and like and price and opportunity and just be able to figure out. Now, one thing that piece of news that probably does matter here for both these guys. Austin Hooper is questionable right now. That does affect the target share a little bit. I think Hooper had been one of the most targeted tight ends in football. Removing him and not replacing that Jaden Graham, like uh, removing him and not putting in another tight end that's going to have big time target share is why you've seen the targets. I will probably duck these guys down a little bit. Not enough for me for Ridley to move out of cash, but Jones would be close. Like a little bit even more reduction in Jones on his target share would maybe move that 7800 price tag for me out of cash games on FanDuel. Let's finish it. Oh, by the way, Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, I have one, one other guy on Atlanta, too, before you uh, jump away from this one. Uh, Russell Gage got 10 targets yeah. against Tampa Bay last week, too. And certainly if Julio were to miss altogether, he would be an automatic cash game inclusion in my mind and is already sort of flirting with it at just 5400 uh, There's a, you know, to hate to spoil it for everyone, but it's going to be tough to make lineups this week that include good, interesting plays at every position. And especially if you, like if, say, Driscoll's hamstring doesn't come back clean and you're in a position where you're, like, deciding between, yeah, I don't know, like some $4,500 tight end, because I think you kind of have to play Jared Cook, too. I think you're sort of priced into doing that since there's no plays at tight end this week. It's, like, guys who get two targets a game or Jared Cook, so have fun. You could pick one. Um, But I think Russell Gage cleans up. Some of the dirty work there as well. Yep. Uh, and by the way, Marshawn Lattimore questionable right now. He's not played the last couple of weeks. It's not looking great for him to play here, uh, which would increase, which is which is better for the Atlanta receivers. Let's finish it off here with New Orleans. We have Kamara basically in every lineup right now. He was a pretty heavy chalk play last week. They did give the ball to Latavius Murray, and Murray obviously scored a touchdown um, to much to many people's chagrin. Uh, he, on seven carries, he not to my chagrin, buddy. He was in my DFSR season long league. Secured my spot in the playoffs. So you know, it's so funny. Yeah, I'll see you guys out there. He's, good luck. He was a mine. Good, too. He's a mine too. In mine, the lead that I'm in with Darrell. I want to say good game to all those guys. By the way, if you're out there listening, DZ, Alex, all you guys, noble try making the playoffs this year. Uh, you guys certainly did your best. You can be proud of that. Uh, and uh, enjoy not having to be stressed out going into the rest of the season because you know for the rest of us that are still playing for something it's going to be a little bit of extra work. We should do the oral history of this team of yours because um, like it is just the absolute biggest luck box thing of all time that you're in the playoffs. But How dare you, dude? Which I do. I wouldn't mind like you know like a, that'd be like our one like feature thing. We do the oral history of the DFSR league and everyone can complain about how the hell you how the hell your team even made the playoffs. All right, let's finish it off. Skillful artisan. Kamara still touched bar. the ball. Tw- Kamara still touched the ball twenty times. He and Latavius did share the uh, the field on a few snaps. Like there was, they played seventy snaps combined, and they were, uh, of the sixty five total. Where does Kamara rank in terms of? Sorry, I'm getting a little hoarse here talking about Kamara. Where does Kamara rank uh, when it comes to between him and Elliott, or do you just feel like you just have to roster both? 
I think you wind up playing both. I don't really see how you can get around that because Kamara, I mean, so Kamara last week was another guy that we were talking about going into Sunday and we had our concerns about him too. We knew he was going to be huge chalk and we knew the target share was going to be there. And I think we rightfully wound up rostering him, but we've seen three weeks in a row that he can get 10 targets and not be exceptional four weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually been, geez, since that Seattle game on September 22nd that he's even put up 20 or more fantasy points in a game. So this isn't the Kamara of last season, primarily in the touchdown arena. I have to think that that's sort of a fluke, and I think it's going to turn around for him. I think if this were a Sunday slate, it would be a lot closer for me. Like if I knew we were marching back into another week, which we would be, by the way, I think he'd be chalk, uh, even if this was the full slate on Sunday. I think I would feel a little bit more concerned about it. Um, just if we, concerned either way, like are we fading him? Are we playing him? On this two-game slate, you sort of have to play him, right? I don't. Yeah. I don't. You're gonna basically have to come up with not just one but two other plays in the running back and flex to play over him, and I don't think you wind up getting. And, him, I, but, so. and by the way, like so, yeah. the, the decision just and maybe we'll just finish off here. The decision-making process of this is like where's your money best allocated? Because if you don't play him, then that right. means you're probably playing like Julio or Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas, I can make the case for because Thomas, he's so freaking steady. And I get that he doesn't get the the, the rushes, and Kamara kind of doesn't get the rushes all that much either. Like, um, so there's a case to be made if you don't play Kamara, you just that at that point you're just saying I think Thomas is just a safer play because I want to play Zeke, right? And I want to play, I, and I, at this point I need to just start filling out like the salary constraints. So um, I think if you're choosing to not go Kamara, you're just saying Michael Thomas. I actually think that decision's fairly close um, in a way that it really usually wouldn't be for similarly priced wide receivers and tight ends, wide receivers and running backs, when you look at what we have as their baseline usage projection. But Thomas is just so freaking good and so steady. Like another week of just 11 targets, 10 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown, right? Like he just does this every single week. He catches 80-plus percent of his balls. He gets double-digit targets. He's probably run bad this season on the touchdown, so that's kind of crept back into regression mode over the last couple of weeks. Where do you kind of you know? I guess I'm like sort of asking a question, but not really. But like, is it? Does it just make sense? Like, if we just didn't play Kamara, assuming you can't really play both because it's just too expensive, mm-hmm. is there a case to just play Thomas instead of Kamara and maybe just take your lumps at running back and play Bo Scarborough, Scarborough? You know what I mean? Or like play David Montgomery or something like that? Like. I'm trying to make it so it's a realistic question people would have on me. Yeah, it just doesn't totally work out that way, unfortunately, because you sort of need to play a really cheap player anyway. And with Thomas being 900 more, like in other weeks, you can finagle the salary a little bit more. You can spend lower on defense. You know, like there are, you can maybe do what we did, go Baker at quarterback instead of one of the more expensive options. But you just don't have that flexibility. Like there's a really, really limited player pool. There's maybe, I don't know, 15, 18 playable options in cash games this week um with thomas certainly on a talent level and a raw points level is in that group but as soon as you lock him in like things start falling apart fast again you start getting like ben bronecker at tight end and stuff i just don't i don't think you can do that and i think you know to touch on tight end real quick before we move forward um you know i mentioned jared cook I, i think you sort of have to ensure that he winds up in your lineups your next best option is like Jason Witten, Dawson or Knox. Like there's like, just if, no tight ends playing. Yeah, Dawson week. Knox. I guess um, like he, he's yeah. Again, two targets. I, I'm only saying this because you just need a guy that is going to be on the field, sort of like he's not Knox. Sure. Not Knox. Assuming playing. that you're aiming higher for than just being on the field, I think that you yeah. basically have to play Cook or Witten, and Witten does nothing. So 
I think Cook at least like has the chance to score a touchdown and like you know could. Uh, he had eight targets last week. He had ten targets three weeks ago. Listen, he had two targets against Tampa Bay, so it's no sure thing. But uh, he also has four touchdowns in his last five games. I think Cook is pretty clearly head and shoulders above, but that also creates uh, some pretty significant salary re- uh, restraints on you too. So um, it's a tough week. I-, I think it's all well. I should say this: it's all at once a tough week and not that tough a week because I think as you actually start to sit down to make lineups, you realize that you don't have as many many choices as you thought, and uh, you sort of have to. Yeah, just play the guys who fit in the fit in the lineups. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thanks, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you for listening. We had thanks, a great man. year in podcast so far um, in terms of listens. It's really encouraging. We'll be back again Friday doing a game by game breakdown of the main slate for Week 13. Uh, in the meantime, you can sign up for our premium projection service at dfsr.com/deals, and that's gonna get you a free seven day trial. This also includes NFL projections, NBA projections, NHL. It's all offered under one subscription package, live chat. You go over there, you talk to our longtime users, people. The chat's been popping off over the last few weeks um, just with all the football and basketball talk. So go sign up, dfsr.com slash deals. Talk to you again on Friday, buddy. Enjoy your holiday, which is the best, ho- which is the best holiday in the world. That's my turkey nice. Peace. That was my turkey nice. Peace. <laughs>